Well, we've titled, titled this class, Hope for Parents of Teens and Young Adults. And the idea is it's designed to give each of us encouragement and support and direction uh, for those of us who are concerned about our kids. We'll just call it that way, okay? Concerned about our kids. Um, now, this, this topic all centers around the word of hope. Um, as parents, uh, we want to have hope, right? We want to see some spiritual life in our kids. We want to see some spiritual growth. We want to see that they're turning towards the Lord. We want to see that they're aligning with what, how we've raised them. We want to see that they're taking what we've taught them and they're living it out. Um, it doesn't always happen that way. I want you to look at this graphic just for a moment. Maybe that's where you are here tonight. And maybe one of you, one or more of your kids have taken this exit. Um, maybe your attitude tonight has just been, how could my son do this to me? How could our daughter have done this? Uh, we did all we could to know how to raise them in a Christian home, raise them right. And they've taken an exit. They veered away. They've gone off the road that we had lined up for them. Um, how could they have done that? I want to tell you, I'm standing here with you because my wife and I have been there and we're still there and more to come on that. Um, just a poll, a question. Read through this and tell me which one of these multiple choice answers do you think is correct? Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, we can do best we know how to do to love them, to train them in the right way to go. Uh, we can have them in the, the right church. We can teach them about the Lord uh, best we know how. But they're going to do what? They're still going to do what? Make their own choices. They are exactly right. Um, you know, my story, my wife and I, Susan, we have five boys, and we did all that we knew, best we knew how, to, to lay out a path for them, uh, just a, a pathway of, of walking towards the Lord through their school, at home, their, their church. Um, and a couple of those, when they hit college years, chose to take this exit and, and go off that exit. And it was very very hard for us and um, very difficult. We went through a lot of emotions through this. We'll share more about that in just a moment. Um, what we did find, though, that we're not alone. And one of the books that helped me is a book called Essential Church. And this book came out a few years back. And um, what they said was they did a big research study of 2,000 uh, kids, 18 to 22 year olds, who had been in church in a Protestant church for at least one year during high school. So all the kids in this survey were in church for one year during their high school days, and it was a Protestant church. So it could have been a non-denominational church, a Baptist church, a Methodist church, those type of things. What they found was is that 70% of these kids dropped out of church. Not necessarily that they dropped out of the faith, but they dropped out of church when they went to college. 30% stayed in the church. That tells us there is something going on during these college years that's difficult on kids staying in the faith and staying in the church. Now, they've said here there's some reasons why this happens. And there's about 10 reasons, the top 10 reasons they came up with. This is the list of reasons why the kids might leave the church and leave the way that mom and dad have raised them. So you've raised them a certain way. You want them to stay in the faith. You want to stay in church. Here's some reasons why they may have stepped away. So I had to have a real heart-to-heart -heart with my oldest son. Uh, after two years at college, away, he'd moved, gone away from home to go to college. And after two years of not going to church, at all had to have that conversation of what is it and him unable to really verbalize to me i just pulled this book out so let's just walk through the list buddy let's talk through all 10 of these and you tell me which one of these or how many of these are where you are and here's what he said to me he said hey, here's the two things he said i just wanted a break 
from church, which broke my heart. Um, and second, I wanted more time with my friends. And by the way, none of his friends were going to church. And so things they wanted to do happened to be on Sundays where he was in school. Um, so overall, even though those are two my those, those two were from my son, overall what the researchers found was is that kids just came back and said that church was not essential to their lives. That's the title of the book. They found, the kids said, that church just simply isn't essential. It was essential to my mom, essential to my dad, but to me, I didn't find it essential. Now, you may say, well, Tim, it's, it's more about a relationship with Jesus. It's not necessarily about the church, it's about a relationship with Jesus, and I would agree 100%. Um, at the same time, I do believe in an analogy that Brother Steve uses often. You might have heard him use this analogy, and it's this image, and the idea is that that a body of believers, uh, a church on fire for the Lord, it gathers together, gathers closely, studies God's word, prays for each other, a close-knit church. Um, they're going to be, they're just going to burn hot for the Lord and stay really close in that. And then when the piece of wood falls out of the fire, um, what's it going to do? It can, it's going to burn out, go cold, burn out, go cold, all these things. It becomes cool. It becomes unproductive at creating any kind of heat. And so for my wife and I, our concern is you take a, you take a young man who's been in, in the faith, been around it all of his 18 years, and he has a two-year hiatus from that and pulls away from anything dealing with the faith for two years. Our concern is that he's ended up in that circle. So that's what we were concerned about. Um, Brother Steve's analogy is backed up biblically. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Uh, Brian Schultz, do you mind read that, please, off the screen? So it's a biblical mandate that we're to not forsake assembling together, that we're to be together, we're to be in the middle of that red-hot fire where we can hold each other accountable and challenge each other and encourage each other in the faith and pray for one another. That's where we're to live. And when something, when a piece falls out of that, our concern was for our oldest son was he was going to grow cold uh, in his faith. Well, that's a little bit about me. Um, how about you? I just wanted to spend time at tables right now. Let's spend a few minutes talking tables. We call this table talk. And if you would, just at your tables, talk about it for a second. Um, in what way did either of these two images, the road sign image or the, the fire image, which one of those would describe maybe what you're dealing with, uh, maybe right now in your home, or if you're not dealing with it, maybe what you're concerned about uh, in the days ahead. If you would take a few minutes there. Um, if there's someone, if you're not at a table where others are, you, you're, well, you're more than welcome to move to a different table. Or where others are, we can have more of a discussion if you'd like. We'll take about five minutes and we'll come back. We'll just kind of keep walking through this together. So I want to give you some good news. Um, not only uh, are you in the room with others who may be working through things like this, but you're not alone biblically either. I want to show you something. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Judges chapter 2? We'll be in Judges chapter 2 tonight. I want to show this to you. Um, now, in Judges, I want to kind of walk you through, kind of what's to, just kind of review the progression, walk you through the progression. I'll talk to you about the book of Exodus. Now, in Exodus, God's people are led out of captivity in Egypt, and they're led right up to the promised land by Moses. Exodus is a phenomenal book, some amazing stories of what God did. And he, Moses leads them right up to the promised land, but that's as far as Moses gets to go. Well, then there's the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is all about God's people being led into Canaan, into the promised land by Joshua. 
And in that book, it's got amazing stories of how God provided victory over all of their enemies. Then the book of Judges. And in Judges, is about God's people settling in, okay, to begin life and enjoy all that the promised land has to offer. So three amazing books, um, all great narratives, and all tell the story of what God does to get them there. Now, you look at that and you go, that sounds amazing, okay? Unbelievable. And you would think from there, okay, that great things are going to happen. It's almost a setup. It's kind of like in parenting. You think, okay, I've, I've raised them. I've given them nothing they needed. I've got them all the way up to the finish line, okay? High school senior graduation, and I'm going to launch them out, and great things are going to happen, right? Well, let's go to Judges chapter 2. We'll read verse 11, 12, and 13. Um, Sean Fye, do you mind to read that off the screen, please? What? How in the world could that happen? All that they've seen, all that the nation of Israel, Jewish people, had seen God do. Um, now, something big did happen. Joshua died, so their leader died. Not only their military, but their spiritual leader died. Um, but also, their new generation was raised up. And the Bible says that when this new generation was raised up, that right here, that although they, they had, had a nation experienced all these things, this new generation did evil in the Lord's sight. So in one generation, all these people wandered. Okay, so if you think, man, how in the world could my kid have wandered from the faith? Or how in the world is it possible that one day my, my kid might wander from the faith? You can look back and see, hey, God's own people wandered from Him. Um, and God wrote His story, history, His story, the Bible, to tell in a very transparent manner exactly how that happened. So let me ask you some questions. Um, first, how do you think any God-loving family members back there in this time would have felt about their actions if they had known about their kids doing this? How do you think those families might have felt about that? Disappointed. What would you say, Kent? Crushed, disappointed. Exactly right. Anything else? They did. And chose opposite of their own ways as well. And so I think that they could have felt that crushed, disappointed feeling, but at the same time, remembered where you come from. Yeah, they might have gone, man, I know how this happened. Um, yeah, David, that's right. That's right. So, so disappointed, crushed, reflective. What, what I go wrong? They all could have thought that since that. How about this question? How do you think God would have felt about their actions, about the actions of these folks? I mean, he too, right? 
crushed, disappointed, right? Hearts broken. You know, all he's done for his people. Um, this is what happens. But let's see how he responds. And I want this to be hopeful to you, okay? Let's see how he responds. This is verses 16 and 18. Um, Carlos, would you mind to read off the screen? Judges. Wow, God could have handled that any way he wanted to handle it, okay? He could have wiped him off the face of the earth. That's not what these verses say. Let's talk, talk through it for a second. What action has God taken verse 16? What's he doing in 16? Raises up judges, okay? So God says, I'm going to raise up judges. And why is he raising them up in verse 16? To deliver his people, okay? He said, even though they've, they've wandered from me, Okay, I'm going to raise up judges that will deliver them back away from their enemies. Verse 18, what action has God taken? Verse 18. Yep, talking about the same thing. He's raised up these judges to deliver them from what? Deliver them from what? From the hand of their enemies. Okay, so God's people wandered from him. He could have smited them. He could have taken them completely off the earth. could have opened up the earth, put them all full, and however he wanted to do it. He could have done anything he wanted, but instead... He raised up judges to deliver them from the enemies. Now, verse 18 also is very important to give us the why. Why is really important, right? What does verse 18 say motivated God to take action? He had pity. He had pity on them. Why did he have pity? What did he hear from them? They're groaning. They're groaning. You know, when you get to the bottom, you cry out, right? When you get to the bottom of a situation where you think, man, I can't fix this on my own, what do we do? We, that, that's when we cry out to God at times, right? We ought to be crying out to him the whole time. That's when we cry. And so God heard their cries. They had no way to escape the enemy's affliction and oppression except for God. So they cry out to the Lord. The Lord hears them. And when the Lord hears them, he could have said, you walked away from me, forget it. But he doesn't. He delivers them from their enemies. Um, now, question for us, how would you answer that question? What's the good news for us as concerned parents in these verses? There's hope. Thanks, Anita. There's hope. Um, and and how, how do we see hope? In the, how do we read hope in those verses? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, has, that's right. Has God changed? He's not changed. He still loves his people, right? He loves us. He loves our children. He hears our cries. He hears our groans. And he's not changed. He's still a compassionate God that has pity on his people. He's a compassionate God that will take initiative, okay? He'll rescue his people. He's an expert at setting people free. Was then and still is today. So going back to the title of this class, the word hope, um, the hope that we're needing 
uh, as parents of teens, young adults who who have wandered or may or may soon be wandering, um, is not from our parenting expertise or not from the decisions our kids make. It's strictly from the Lord and our faith in Him. Let's look, David. Do you mind read Hebrews eleven one? I'm gonna give it to Mary. Mary, you got him. Help him out, Mary. You got it. Do you mind to take Mary Qual? Do you mind to grab that? Will you read that verse for him? Yeah. Karen, I'm sorry. I had the wrong name. That happens to me every time. No, Karen Qualls. There you go. No, no, I like it. That's right. I, I grew up. I grew up with the Mary Qualls in my neighborhood. I am so sorry. I do that every time. <laughs> the military guy says, "Just read the verse." Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm going to bring my hope from. The hope that I'm going to have for kids is in my faith. Um, in my faith in the Lord, knowing that I can have that, that I can have faith and that with a conviction he's going to restore my boys. Um, he's going to finish the good work he has begun in him. Now, question, um, this this faith, this hope, it should result in something, right? So let's just kind of let's kind of walk through these. Which one's most helpful? Chris, would you mind to read the first one? Okay, so that's one option. I'm going to have no peace until my son or daughter turns back to the Lord. I'm just going to worry myself to death. Christina, would you mind reading the second one? I'll have peace when I stop worrying about them. Exactly. So other option is I'll have peace when I can finally figure out how to quit worrying about my child, son or daughter. John, would you mind to read the bottom one? Which is which is the most helpful? The first thing or the third one? The third one. That's right. I can have a sense of peace today, having a calm assurance, a settled conviction that He's in control, and that He loves my kids more than I do. That's where my hope can come from. That's where my peace can come from. Not in my parenting ability, not in my, the choices my kids going to make. Um, not at all. All right. That gets us up to a point. What I want to do now is I want you to hear from some others uh, that are here in the room tonight that I've asked to come and, and share with us. I'm going to ask Jamie and Andrea Stemple to come up and to sit with us. And um, let you kind of tell, I'll let them kind of tell you their story and uh, let them kind of walk that with us. All right. So um, I'm Andrea Stemple. This is my husband, Jamie. We have been married for almost 26 years. Oh, yeah. um, we have four daughters here. Um, Parker on the end down there is 23. That is her husband. Um, they've been married for three years. And then we have a Chloe is 21, Kennedy is 16, and Elliot is 12. So uh, he's been very outnumbered at our house. We do have a male dog, though. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so we, um, we've <clears throat> raised our kids in the church uh, from birth. Um, we've been involved in the church. Um, we've homeschooled our kids. Um, <clears throat> I, I can remember um, when our when our older kids were younger, and we would see um, we would see a, an older teenager that we knew or a family that we knew that was struggling um, uh, with their faith or had veered off, um, and you know. 
we're all human. And so my natural inclination was to think, what are they doing wrong? You know, what, 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 um, what's going on in their house that's not reflected in who, who they portray themselves to be. Um, and then we had teenagers <laughs> and, um, and God uh, humbled us a lot and God humbled <laughs> us. Um, so, uh, we, we are currently walking through, um, a very tough time with one of our daughters who, um, took that exit and just kept going. Um, and it's still going. Yeah, I told our table, she kind of created her own exit. So. She created her own exit and mm-hmm. she's, she's still going and we're still walking through that. Um, we're in that season right now. Um, and, uh, and looking back at, you know, when our kids were younger and we had that thought of, of, um, how, how does that happen? You know, if you're, if you're raising your kids, right, how, how does that happen? Um, it made us question, um, you know, what did we do wrong? You know, what, how, how are we here? Um, and that was our first, um, our, our first questions. What, what did we do wrong? Um, and we started second guessing ourselves. You know, we started looking back at, at, at our life and, and what, what decisions did we make that made our daughter make these, these life decisions and still make these life decisions. And I think, um, you know, so kind of a, a little background when she turned 18, um, she kind of left our house and we kind of kicked her out of our house because she refused to live by our house rules. Um, and we still had younger kids to rec- excuse me, to raise. Um, and so, you know, that was really hard for me as a mom, because as a mom, you're supposed to be a role model to your daughter. Um, and so there was there was a period there where I really struggled with, um, you know, what kind of mom have I been? Like, why, how could my daughter turn out like this? Like, I've homeschooled and we've taken her to church and I've done all these things, but what did I not do? And so um, I really kind of went through a bit of a depression there because, you know, I I was trying to fix something that was not mine to fix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think the the natural inclination would be to be embarrassed and to hide um, your family situation from others. And what we found is that... um, we didn't do that. Um, I think God prompted us to reach out and to include our church family, to include the community that's around us. And what we found is um, th- that God has raised up prayer warriors um, for our family. Um, that had we tried to fix this on our own and, and hide this, we wouldn't have had that community that gathers around us. Um, and. Uh, and so I would encourage if, if, if any of you are going through this with any of your kids, um, reach out to your church family, reach out to the community that's around you. Um, and I think especially, you know, again, if, especially if it's a daughter, or I guess a dad with a son, I would encourage you. I have a couple of ladies that every time we have an issue with her, I will text them what's going on. And I immediately know that they are stopping right then and praying for us. So I would highly, highly encourage you if you don't have that community to get that community, because just knowing that there are people behind you that are praying for you is invaluable. Like literally that's what's gotten me through the day some days. Yeah. And I mean, we would ask all of you, 
continue to pray for us. Um, pray for our daughter, um, Jamie and Andrea's Temple. That's us. Um, and if any of you after this um, need that prayer in your life, come come talk to us because um, we're about it right now. That's 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 our life. So. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I will say along those lines, I'm glad you said that. Um, so one of the things that I've done since the day she was 18 and left our house is once a week, I send her a Bible verse. She doesn't like it. Um, she's very, at this point in her life, anti-church and anti-God, um, but I send them to her anyway. So I, I would encourage, like you said, just keep planting those seeds because I truly believe one day she's going to be like, oh, man, like mom sent me that verse. And hopefully at some point it will mean something. So, And she, she still has two younger sisters at home um, that, you know, God is, I guess, using this in our family to, you know, let them see what what not to do and how how we're dealing with it as a family. So, you know, that's, yeah, I will say too, though, I think, um, I think one thing that's encouraged us is that, um, we've been able to have some conversations with our younger kids because of this situation that we never would have had. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I think had we not had these situations, we were kind of in our little Christian bubble and, you know, these things can't happen to us. But now that they have, it's really opened up some good conversations with our mm -hmm. younger two. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so yes. So she, she had those influences, those good influences in her life, and she, she chose to seek out the ones mm -hmm. that would speak. What she uh, wanted to hear. What she wanted if to there, hear. If there, if there was one child in the youth group out of forty-five that was walking that path, she would be sitting with that one. Yeah. So yes, we, we noticed probably starting around middle school age that this was going to be an issue. And we, um, we always say we kind of played defense um, through her high school years to kind of keep her in line. And as soon as she turned 18 and she could make her own choices, she broke all the defenses. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so yes, we, we, we kind of had fair warning that this was going to happen, but it was, a shock nonetheless but 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 their friends and who influences them it's important and we saw it yes. and we, yeah. we recognize it early yeah and even you know when she was in middle school and we would see her choose those influences we had a lot of control back then and so you know we wouldn't let her go places with those people and whatever but you know you can only control for so long please help me thank jamie and andrea thank you Hey, their courage to tell their story um, allowed them to ask 35 people to, would you pray for me? And so I would encourage you, as they did, to tell your story. You know, ask others that are close to you that you trust, um, that are prayer warriors, to pray. And then please pray for my, my child, my son, or my daughter. Um, next, I'm going to bring up Leslie Hollowell. Leslie, if you would come up. Leslie's been a friend of mine for several years, a friend of my wife, and I've, I've known her and her husband a long time. And um, she works on our staff. She's in our biblical counseling department, and she specializes in counseling teenage girls. And so uh, I've asked her to come and share. Now, unique about Leslie is that she does not have a teen or young adult. Um, she one day will, and that kid's going to be the president. There you go, no doubt. 
Um, but if you would, I just wanted you to share, if you don't mind, um, just about your experience and what, there's things we can glean from you uh, about the days to come. Well, I have had the opportunity to work with teenage teenagers and teenage girls. I was actually Bellevue's first girls ministry director, started 17 years ago. Um, and before that, I worked with the Big Oak Girls Ranch out of um, in Springville, Alabama. And, you know, it is for me, I have a heart for these teenage girls because I really do see what they're up against. They're in and out of my office. And I love that the word hope um, has just been up there because if there's anything that I love to do is to open scripture with them and say, you know what, Romans 15, 13 says, everything written in the past was written to teach us, all of us, so that through endurance, and that's just keeping on, keeping on, endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I feel like this generation of girls has, and boys, um, have really had, they're up against more than any generation I've seen because they are constantly, they have the technology we did not have. There's rarely a day that goes by that I don't hear a girl say, well, you see, there's this TikTok person I'm following, or there's this YouTube person I'm following. And I think we have to, you know, really get in there with them and really keep that straight face. Um, I've been in counseling for 10 years in biblical counseling, and if there's one thing I've learned, it's just to... Uh -huh. You know, because then they might leave and I go, holy cow, um, that was hard. But because I, there's not much I haven't heard, I could tell y'all some stories that may make your eyes go. But, you know, God's work, God is still the same God that, that from generations past, he is still the God, you know, and I think of, I plant Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. You know, we as parents, we get to plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds, but man, I pray for the Apollos's in my son's life. I want them in there and in there, but I'm also like, God, he's yours. Um, they're yours and you can do a work in their lives. And when you look back at all the people in scripture, God used that can kind of give you a little hope. I mean, you got Moses who murdered a guy. You have Moses who argued with the Lord. I love when you're, when you're struggling with your teenager or your kids who are asking all the questions, well, why'd I have to do that? Well, why, you know, go to Numbers chapter 11 and look at how many questions that, um, Moses asked God. It, it makes me happy to see that. I could turn there, but he's like, did I birth these people? Did I? And then he's just like, and then he finally says, hey, if this is how you're going to treat me, then just put me to death right now. But if I've found favor in your eyes, don't let me face my own ruin. And I love that about Moses because he got Hebrews, Hebrews 4, 12, where it says you can approach the throne of grace with freedom and confidence. We have got to give our kids the understanding, hey, you go fight it out with God, that we're fighting for our families, but they've got a God who's big enough to handle them because ultimately God gives the increase. Um, I do believe in fighting in prayer for our kids. I remember I was faced with a situation with a mom and a daughter, and honestly, I was a little like, what did I do? I called Miss Dawn, and I was like, okay, so here's this. Here's what's going on, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, you tell that mama she is fighting for her daughter. And so when her daughter, you put those scriptures underneath their mattresses. You pray over their room when they're not there. You put their name on a piece of paper and pray over them because ultimately God gives the increase. 
And so being reminded of those things and that God is big enough to handle our frustrations, our sadness. I mean, I've got a niece right now that for years I didn't have kids. And so I didn't get married till I was 38 and then had had to get 42. So I'm still just trying to stay awake most of the time. Um, But anyway, I took my nieces every single Christmas. So this, I can say this, every Christmas for about eight years, I had three nieces. And while we were all together, we usually spent three days together at um, my mom's side of the family. And I would take those girls out for breakfast every morning, and we would do a Bible study. I mean, I made these Bible studies elaborate. I, I, you know, like I'd give them a pair of pearl earrings. They got more gifts than the nephews because I did this with the nieces. You know, I remember giving them a pair of pearl earrings and give them the 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 verse that said, "Don't throw your, don't cast your pearls to the swine." I gave them bracelet. I mean, I gave them. Every, I gave them the one that was a, a new shirt that said, "You know, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not." I gave them all the things, but she has totally walked away from the Lord. And so I pray for her as often as I can. She graduated from Auburn and she is, you know, just going her own way. So I get that because you can plan in them, but I still know God gives the increase. And so the last one I'll kind of leave you with, um, because again, I do biblical counseling, so I get to open up these stories and hopefully make them come alive. But Gideon, you know, I look at Gideon in Judges chapter 6, and Gideon was like, the Lord came and sat down by him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Well, if you look, Gideon was not acting like a mighty warrior. He's that kind of act like a coward, hiding out, threshing wheat in a wine press. But that's why God called him. And I remember sometimes my son is acting like a little toot, and I'm like, okay, little warrior, <laughs> you know, I'm going to speak to you who I want you to be. But you know, Gideon's first words were, well, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever heard your kids say that? Well, where's God in this? You know what? God is big enough to handle that. He handled Gideon, and he handled all Moses' questions. And then he was like, well, um, and then the Lord told him, you know, like, I want you to go and find. He said, well, I'm the least in my. And you see, kids, you know what most teenagers are dealing with? Their own insecurities, their own fears, their own not adding up. They look at this person on Instagram or Facebook, and they think they'll never be that good. And so when we take them back to these stories in Scripture, They're the stories that Romans 15, 13 talks about. You know, everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. And, you know, the hope I have, because, again, I only have a 10-year-old right now, so that story is still being written with the Lord, but that God gives the increase, and there's nothing impossible with him. And he likes our mixed up stories because, you know, I I have to tell my son all the time, he's kind of a perfectionist. And I'm like, dude, if you were perfect, you wouldn't need a savior. That's what Jesus came for. And so, again, being reminded, we plant, pray for the apollosis, but ultimately know we've got a God who gives the increase. So I'll turn back to you. Let me ask you a question. Mentors, somebody to come Mentors, in alive, disciple discipleship. Them, I'm, I love discipleship. Yeah. I think everybody needs a Timothy. Mm-hmm. Or you need a, yeah, that's a right. you know, that's Paul. Right. Um, anything that she said that, that struck you or anything, a question you want to ask or something you thought, man, I really appreciate her saying that. You have no idea how many moms I've said. I've told my daughter that forever. And all of a sudden she's like, Miss Leslie. Said, 
Leslie, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Y'all help me thank Leslie. I want to bring up one more. I'm going to bring up Kent Stone King. He was just sharing about the group he's a part of. And uh, I've known Kent and his family, his dad and, and his mom for, for many years and so respected them. I'm going to let you sit right here. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody. What a privilege to be with you guys tonight. Thank you so much. And um, yet, Tim said, uh, send send slides. And so I just, I made slides. You guys brought a picture and I, I brought a slide deck. So I'll click through these. I'm sorry. But I love that word hope. Okay. And God's word talks about that. Train up a child the way he should go when he's old. He won't depart from that. Are God's promises true or what? They're true. Might not look like it, but God's word is true. And all you have to do is look at how in the most unlikely circumstances, his word was fulfilled and his word, word his, what he said came true. And um, he loves to do those things in our lives. Uh, this thing is kind of flipping around. There we go. little cliche, but hey, where God guides, God provides, right? He's called you to be parents. He's going to provide you what you need to get this job done. And leave the results up to him. Don't put so much pressure on yourself, okay? And, and the legacy of Christian faith, of course, is always better caught than it is taught. Here's our crew. Um, my wife and I are coming up on our 29th anniversary. Um, Bradley's 25. He's working for Raymond James in finance. Caleb's 22. He's working with the U of M football team right now and looking for a gig either with Division I or perhaps NFL in, in scouting and recruiting. And Hannah, um, Lord willing, will finish nursing school in December. So everybody's still living at home and because they can't afford to move out right now. You've seen the housing market. Um, and we all love each other, but you know, the cool thing is on most days, we, we actually like each other. Um, so we have good relationships, but our family, we've, we've got our bumps and bruises and scars. Um, as I meant, my youngest brother has... He, uh, he went the way of, of an alternative lifestyle years ago, and that's all my kids have ever known. He was caught up in that when they were born. So they've always known Uncle Keith to be that guy, you know, doing, doing that, and they've seen it, and, and they hear. My wife is the second of four girls, and uh, several families here that have multiple girls, you know, um, and her youngest sister eloped with a guy that her parents warned her, warned her, warned her. They had two kids. They split. She took the daughter. Her husband took the son. He's been in prison in Mississippi. And now she's married to some other guy in South Carolina. The whole thing's a mess. But their son goes to Bellevue, loves the Lord, my nephew. I mean, God just redeems. And so we just we grasp these, these glimpses of, of hope where, where God is working. And we say, okay, God, you did it in Drake's life. In the most unlikely circumstances, mom abandoned him. Dad was with him, but he went to prison. And he kind of had to raise himself. We helped out at a distance. But, I mean, God's hand was on this guy. And against all odds, he's walking with the Lord. He's attending church. You know, God can do those things. So we just have tremendous hope. And then we've got some issues. Um, my wife has some health issues, some arthritis and some Sjogren's and Lyme disease. We're, we're 55, but she moves around like she's 90. If she were here, she would say that. Um, just been really tough. Um, I lost the lower half of my left leg in an unfortunate day on a motorcycle uh, 11 years ago. So my kids have walked through some deep waters with us as a family, and they've seen God provide through some, some tough days. Let me bring you right up to the moment. I'm a pharmacist. I'm a diabetes educator. And, you know, in, in this part of the country, when you care for people with diabetes, there's a lot to do. I've been unemployed since the middle of May. And I have applied and interviewed. I know people. I've worked the network, the LinkedIn, the thing. Right before coming up here tonight, there was a job that just 
I was made for this. Got that lovely email from ER says, hey, thanks for your interest, but we're advancing other candidates. Didn't plan on sharing that, but you know, our kids get a front row seat to what we do. Real life, and real life is ugly a lot of days. And they're seeing it. They're seeing it in the lives of our, our extended family. They're seeing it in our own lives. And they're seeing the impact of, of God keeping his promises in the light of some really tough circumstances. So five months now without a full-time job. I've been able to do some part-time things here and there. Praise God. We haven't missed any bill payments and we haven't missed any meals. God just keeps providing. And, and like I say, they have a front row seat to that. So I'm going to share some things with you that just we've learned along the journey. And I know, Tim, I've got a time limit, so I'm going to be brief. But, um, you know, our, our relationships are going to change as our kids kind of turn that corner from childhood to teenage, young adulthood. But our roles never change. We're always going to be parents. We're always going to be parents. People often ask, you know, as my kids grow up, you know, do they need more of a coach or a cheerleader? And you've heard people say, well, you know, at some point you can't coach them anymore. You can only do is cheerlead. No, that's not true. I'm 55. I still need a coach sometimes. <laughs> my parents are 81. I still tap them for advice, you know, and they're godly people, and I love them. Example is always the best form of leadership. So I just want to share with you some things that, that we've learned, and we're not experts. We've got bumps and bruises and dings and scars, trust me. But kind of a 30,000-foot view of, of, of kind of how we approach this with, with our own kids. Um, three elements of their personhood, their bodies, their minds, and their spirits. And, and we feel like three operative words, want to take these with you, modeling, prayer, and encouragement. So what's that look like? Their physical health, model, pray, and engage. Just a few bullet points. It's important to us that our kids eat well. It's important to us that they stay physically fit, you know, that even their posture. We spend a lot of times on computers now, right? So how many young people have these curved shoulders because they're doing this all day or this all day? Stand up straight, you know? Um, we want them to sleep well. We want them to dress appropriately and modestly and all those things. If they're going to do that, we have to model that, all right? I can't be sitting chowing down the Twinkies and the chips telling my kid to eat the fruit and salad. That doesn't go, you know? And we have to model the behaviors we want them to adopt. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's important when they're little. It's especially important when they grow up because they're going to hit an age where they're going to look at you and go, you're not doing that. Why are you telling me to do that? You're not. Who are you to tell me? You got to keep your credibility, right? We got to keep a, a level of physical fit. We're, we're stewards of our physical health. These bodies are on loan, right? We're going to turn them in one day, kind of like a library book, you know, well-worn, well-used, well-read, but it, it in mind. I got to turn it back into the owner. I got to turn this body back into the owner. And he's going to be like, man, what you been doing? <laughs> you know? Well, God, by your grace, I'm still walking. But, but you know, they have a stewardship to care for their physical health. We have to model that. But we have to, to help them do that. So, you know, kids, they love staying up late. You know, I've got a son who gets on the Xbox, and he's got buddies, and they play games together. But at some time of night, you know, it's like, hey, man, cut it off. You need your sleep. That's part of the stewardship of your physical health. Um, you know, again, we, we got to model the standards that we want our kids to adopt. Funny story, my daughter was going with a friend, and she's a good girl. Um, she most of the time makes really good choices. She just headed out the door the other night to go to a play with a friend, and she's in a room changing, and she's blazing out of the house, about to go to her car, and my wife and I noticed she's got like this western shirt on, got her hair pulled up with a bandana, and some denim shorts and boots, and we're like, 
aren't you going to a play? She's like, yeah. It's like, well, you're kind of dressed for a barn dance. She goes, what's wrong with how I'm dressed? You know, so we thought, okay, we'll not fight it. We'll say, here's an idea. Just why don't you grab a dress, stick it in a Walmart bag, and just carry it with you just in case. About an hour later, we got some selfies that she and her friend had taken at the play. Guess what she was wearing? <laughs> you know? I mean, just these things that they, uh, that they do. But it's, it's, you know, how do we pray for our kids' physical health? God gives us verses. And, and this is one of Brother Steve's favorites. He puts this on a lot of correspondence. I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Heavenly Father, please, Lord, let my kids enjoy good health, that all may go well with them, even as their souls are getting along well. Quickly, mental health. A couple of bullet points. What we read, what we watch, what we play. And again, example is the greatest, the greatest form of leadership, right? I can't be looking at things I shouldn't look at if I expect my kids, my boys especially, right? Guys, you know what I'm talking about. It, it affects the girls, but man, it really affects the guys. We were made with this visual thing, and we just get pulled in. We've got to watch that. And if we want them to look at the right kind of thing, we have to look at the right kind of things. Streaming services. It's October. You've seen all these free horror movies? They're free. It's October. Don't watch that. It's demonic. Period. I'm not, I'm, we get down that rabbit hole. We don't have time. Don't watch that stuff. Don't bring it into your home. Okay? Your home is, is that's, that's God's place. That's a sacred place. Your home is as sacred as, as members of the body of Christ as this church is to God. All right? So there's things that don't belong. The things you read, the things you watch, even games, video games. Oh, my word. There's a trap. Be careful with that. Awareness. Are your kids tuned in? Are they dialed in what's going on in the world? Current events, politics. They have to be experts. But are they aware of what's going on where they can speak knowledgeably about their world? And then when you sift that through a spiritual filter, why do you think that politician made that decision? Why do you think these people are revolting against that in this country or some other country? Why do you think that's going on? What impact do you think that decision is going to have on people, on, on adults, on children, on schools? You know, have those conversations. Accountability, again, huge, huge word. You know what I'm talking about there. Um, but how the enemy, you know, God gives us in Ephesians chapter 6 the armor of God. And one of the most important pieces, they're all important, but to me that helmet of salvation we got to protect our minds. That's the enemy's first point of attack. And we told our kids from the time they were little, we said, you're never going to sin with your mouth or with your body, but what your mind hasn't first told you, it's okay to do that. Your mind has to be protected, okay? So accountability. What are you thinking about? I love my wife for a number of reasons. We've been together for 29 years. You know one of the questions that she'll ask me frequently? How's your thought life? How's your thought life? You know? Sometimes that makes me a little nervous, but I love the fact she asked me that question. Why? Because it keeps me centered. It keeps me where I'm supposed to be. That's important. We ask, can ask our kids that kind of thing. Listening. Listen. You want to know what your kids are thinking? Listen to what they say. But you got to listen. That means you got to set the cell phone down. You got to quit sending emails, you know, this, the whatever news station you want. You got to focus. You got to listen. All right. And then you want them to listen to you, right? So we model the behavior that we want to see in them. Um, so much that we can say about this, but how do we pray for our kids' minds? I love Colossians 3, verse 2. God, please help my kids to set my minds on things above and not on earthly things. Because if they're setting their minds on things above, God's going to fill their minds with the things that he wants to fill them with. Very quickly, their spiritual health. 
prayer life, Bible study, scripture memory, fellowship, Christian service, familiar things to all of us, right, if we're in the church. Um, these are the elements of a, a healthy spiritual life. We have to model these things, just like the others, if we expect to see them. You ought to be reading your Bible every day, boy. Well, Dad, I never see you reading yours. Read all kinds of other things, you know. You ever read your Bible? Boy, you really need to develop a prayer life. Well, Dad, I don't see you praying. You ever pray with Mom? You know, we have to model those behaviors if we're ever going to see them in our kids. Fellowshipping, not just getting with people and having a good time and eating snacks and drinking, you know. Fellowshipping, sitting with people and, and sharing and, and getting real, being transparent, inviting people to pray, inviting people in. I love that. Thank you so much. You know, and, and we've had people that have come alongside of us and prayed and ministered as we've been going through this, this summer and fall with, with unemployment. The body of Christ, when you become transparent, does what the body of Christ does best. It surrounds hurting members. It's a beautiful thing. Christian service. Man, I want my kids to grow up and serve the Lord. Well, are you serving the Lord? You don't have to be in full-time Christian ministry. Maybe you are, but, but if you're a layman like me, what am I doing to serve the Lord? How am I modeling that for my kids? Okay, so we want to talk about these things, but in order for that to happen, we have to be willing to set that example. 2 Peter 3.18 is a great way to pray for your kids. God, I pray that my kids would grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Just a couple things, um, parting shots. Take the lead. You know, we're the parents. Um, find some way, even if it's on a cell phone. Say, hey, at 9 o'clock every night, we're going to pray over our day. And we're going to send it off and just put it in the Lord's hands for the night. And I want you to join us. Most nights we can get our kids together in the living room. We might have to pull them away from a show or a game or whatever. Um, my daughter's studying nursing. It's like, hey, baby, let's take 10 minutes. But it's the best 10 minutes we spent together all day. Come in here. Let's just let's pray. And we're not perfect. We don't do it every night. We're not perfect in any of this stuff. Please hear us. But, but these are just kind of the things that we've tried to put in place. Um, Sharing with them what is going on, what you're learning from God's word. I, I want my kids to tell me, hey, Dad, I, I saw something amazing in God's word the other day when I was reading the Bible. I, that's, a, that's a good day. But my kids need to hear me say that if they're ever going to do that. Hey, here's, you know, I was facing the situation the other day, and I, I was reading God's word, and, man, he showed me this promise. Or, or there was this, this situation, or we saw where God delivered his people in the book of Judges. You know, God does that. He delivers. You know, just sharing. Making that a part of your daily dialogue. That has to be a part of your conversation around your house. And then intentional discipleship. And there are so many great tools. Um, Leslie, you're a discipler. I, I picked up this book. Um, if you have boys, Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes. I picked it up midsummer. I'm going through a chapter at a time with my boys. They're 25 and 22, and they're busy guys. They're working the whole thing. But I said, look, we've all got stuff going on. Let's meet once a week. Let's go through one chapter each time we get together scripture-based principles and Q&A at the end to answer the questions. We'll, we'll get together. I'll take you out for a sandwich or something, and we'll, we'll sit and we'll discuss it. I'm learning. I'm growing. They're learning. They're growing. But the beautiful thing is we're, we're learning and growing together. We, we really love that. Accountability, again, there's so much we could talk about there. Internet, social media, just this barrage of stuff hitting our houses, TVs, cell phones, um, even their cars, you know? And, and I've heard people say, well, you know, I my kids will get mad if I want to see their cell phone and, and read their texts. Who bought them a cell phone? Who, who pays the bills, you know? Whose house do they live in? Is that their room? Not in my house. I, I, I pay the mortgage. 
So it's my room that they're living in. And, you know, they, that's none of your business. Pardon me. If I pay the mortgage, I buy your food, I pay your cell phone bill, I pay for the internet, you don't have any business that's not my business. I love you, but you don't have any business that's not my business. And because I love you, I'm going to make it my business because while you're here, there are guardrails, and I'm just here to make sure that you stay between them. That's, that's how I, I love you. That's tough, but that's love. Um, and then helping them transition to independence, and that's kind of where we are now, right? Teenagers and young adults. Um, our oldest son is out of college, and again, he can't afford to move off on his own. So we, my wife and I agreed. We said, Let, let's have him pay rent. And, and he helps out around the house. Today was his day off. He was painting some shutters for me, doing a great job. But, but he pays rent. And, and we told him, we said, it's not about the money. We don't need your money. We want you to take one step in the direction of independence. And if you're paying, you know, if you're out on your own, you're paying rent, groceries, utilities, get, you name it, everything, we're just going to have you pay rent. Okay, um, if they have their own car, pay for that car, pay for the expenses, upkeep, insurance, th that's theirs. If it's your car and they drive it all the time, they can pay for gas, you know, um, that kind of thing. So we've, we just kind of had to hand them that responsibility and, and let them feel the weight of it. It's kind of unfair to say, okay, you're out on your own, and they've never felt the weight of it. They're not prepared, right? So we just kind of transition them in. Uh, again, the cell phone, you know. You can be on the family contract, but your device costs this much per month with whatever you have on it. So, you know, you pay in the amount that, that you use. So just some things that we have um, incorporated as our kids have made that transition. Again, with all of them being at home, it's a little bit unique. But those are some things that we've tried that have kind of helped them make that, make, turn that corner. Um, Dr. Adrian Rogers, this is one of his favorite passages, and it's become one of mine as a dad. Praise the Lord. You love when a verse starts with that way, right? Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And God, God keeps his promises. He does. Um, the days are hard, but, but God is good. And uh, if anything, the hard things press us closer into him. And that's what he wants, is just for us to depend on him. He's faithful. Thank you all. Kind of bring it back together here and then close our night together. I want to encourage you in this way. I want to leave you with this. Um, please, let's not stop loving our kids, not stop praying for them, not stop planting biblical seeds. Let's continue to plant biblical seeds in our kids' lives, even though we might think that they're not listening at all. I want to show you something um, about seeds and how they may one day bear fruit. There's something pretty amazing happening right now in Israel. Back in 1963, there was an uh, archaeologist dig, excavation, in the same area where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. 1963, that's what it was. On that, during that dig, they found 33, 33 palm tree seeds that had not germinated, all 33. They kept those. They radiocarbon dated those back to 2,000 years old, which would have been about the time that Jesus was on the earth. So seeds that could have been about the same time that our Lord and Savior walked the same earth. Now, in 2005, so found these seeds, 1963, put them in a drawer. In 2005, a scientist finds them and says, what if? What if we just take one of these 33 seeds? So in Israel today, there is a tree called Methuselah. 
Okay, it has grown, uh, it is fully matured, and since then they then planted six more seeds, 2,000-year-old seeds that have all grown. Um, now, what's happened is most amazing is Methuselah then was pollinated with other palm trees, and those from there have bare have, um, bore fruit. So the fruit in that tray is from seeds that were in the ground from 2,000 years ago. So I just want to encourage you as parents, keep planting seeds. Um, we never know when they're going to bear fruit. Let me pray for us, and I want to thank you so much for being here. Father, you're so good to us. Thank you for tonight, and thank you that our hope is found in you. When it's not in our parenting techniques, it's not in the choices our kids may one day make, but it's in you, Lord. So we're going to lay at your feet our sons and our daughters. We're going to fight for them, God. We're going to pray and ask you. We're gonna, we've, we've planted. Uh, some people along the way have helped water. We're asking you, God, to cause the growth. Would you draw them back to yourselves? If any of our children in this room have taken an exit ramp, if they're that stick that's outside the fire, would you please draw them back to yourself? Uh, well, they can't move unless you initiate. So please initiate drawing them back. If you have to put them in a situation, my son's included, that makes it so tough that they're having to cry out to you, Lord, please do that. Um, Lord, just be gracious like you were to the Israelites, please. Um, Lord, we thank you for each person that's here. I pray they'd walk out encouraged. Lord, I'm not going to give up in hope. I'm not going to give up in praying or loving my kids. I know they won't either. So I would encourage us and just thank you for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.